Uh, isn't it good to be back today with you? And uh, I'm glad you're here with me. And uh, if you got uh, your uh, bulletin when you came in, uh, on the back side is uh, where the notes for the message are. Uh, you can scratch through that because they're not my message. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we'll just have to, uh, if you want to try to guess what the blanks are, that's okay. You can do that. And, uh, and then when the pastor's back next week, you can say, hey, I guess what your blanks were and uh, see if you're right or not. But uh, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 63 this morning. We are going to be in the book of Psalms. And uh, if you're new to the Bible or new to church today, thank you for being here. And uh, if you're not normally here and you're a guest today, uh, I'm not uh, the pastor, obviously. Pastor Rydell uh, called me this week. We talked earlier. He was sick uh, we talked on Thursday and, and uh, texted me yesterday and says, can you go for me if I can't make it tomorrow? And uh, I said, would well, you have a sermon for me? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. And, uh, but uh, I do want to say this, uh, just so you know, because as a guest, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this from a different perspective now, uh, having pastored and now I'm a guest speaker. Uh, I just want you to know as the church, uh, if I could just let you know this, you should really uh, give some appreciation to the folks that were up here, uh, to Tyler. When, when things like this happen and the pastor's sick, because I've been there, I, I've called my guys Sunday morning, I'm not going to be there. It's like everybody goes in panic mode, you know, it's like, all right, this guy's got to step in, this person's got to step up, what are we doing now? And, uh, and listen, this is not easy when you got to pull stuff off when it just happens on the fly. And uh, just show them your appreciation, thank them for filling in, stepping up. Uh, it is a blessing that a church has people like this to do just that. And uh, it is a huge, huge blessing and very thankful for them for doing that today. Um, so uh, Psalm 63 this morning, and if you do, you can take some notes and I'm going to give you some things this morning. And really, uh, today is more of a Bible study than necessarily a, a preaching sermon, though uh, knowing myself well, I'll probably preach some. But I really want to try to dig into God's Word today with you and really be a help and an encouragement if I can. And, and really today, uh, where I'm at in my life, our family is in between ministries right now. Uh, God has really had an opportunity to work in my life and do some things in my personal life. And, and I just want to share some of that with you out of experience this morning and, uh, and just praying God will make this a blessing uh, to us today. So let's bow our heads if you would and uh, let's make our prayer and ask God to uh, just invite Him uh, into our uh, minds and our hearts and uh, just ask Him to reveal Himself and His truth to us today. Father, thank You that uh, You are here. Thank You as the song we just sang that uh, Your wrath has been satisfied through Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven. Uh, we now have a place in Your presence and, uh, and so, Lord, we thank you for that. And now we uh, just want to acknowledge you and invite you, sir, to uh, be in this time, in this place, as we open your word. Help us to have eyes to see uh, what you want us to see. Help us to have ears to listen to what the Spirit of God has to speak to us today. And at the end, would you give us the courage and the boldness to be obedient, to respond to whatever your spirit leads us, decisions that we need to make, changes that need to be made in our lives. May you help us have the courage to do those things today. Be with Pastor Rydell. 
And Lord, I know his heart is here. I know he wants to be here. And Lord, sometimes the body just doesn't cooperate. And I pray that you bring uh, peace and comfort and healing into his life today as well. And we thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, I know you've heard this story, and, uh, but I want you to act like you've never heard it before, okay? Uh, there was a, a couple, an uh, older man, older lady, uh, been married for nearly 40 years. And, and, uh, and as every day went, they would get up and go into the kitchen and sit at the table and he would get the paper and, and uh, she would make the coffee and he would make their toast and maybe an egg or some bacon. And they would sit down at the table and he would look at the newspaper, drink the coffee, eat the eggs, eat the toast. She would do the same. And, and, uh, but this day was a different day. And, and uh, she sat down and she looked across the table. And of course, he was distracted by the paper and, and uh, by his food and by his coffee. And, and she just, in a very kind way, in a very compassionate way, uh, just looked over it and said, honey, and of course the paper's up and his response is, yeah. Why don't you ever tell me you love me anymore? And he kept the paper up. Kept looking at the paper, kept looking at the paper. And finally, after maybe a minute, he says, well, I told you I loved you on the day I married you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. Now, I say that, I tell you that for this reason. I wonder how many of us sitting in this room today, at some point or at some time uh, in your life, you have not felt loved. You have not felt loved. How many of you be honest enough to say this morning, right by raise your hand, you know, there's been times I've not felt loved. You just slip your hand up. Most of us probably in the building. Obviously, the, the lady at the table was not feeling very loved. And after that comment, she probably even felt less loved. But I want to take this a, a step further and ask you this question. How many of us in this room today would say this? There have been times I have not felt loved by God. There have been times in my Christian life and my Christian walk, and, and, and my coming and going to church, and, and uh, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, I wonder how many of us, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one, but there have been times you have said or thought, I'm not feeling very loved by God today. Look at with me in Psalm 63, and, uh, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and I want you to follow along with me. And, uh, and then I'm going to give you some thoughts on this this morning. David, the writer, David, King David, uh, said this, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now I want you to do this with me. I want you to read verse 3 with me out loud together. You ready? Begin. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Would you read that with me again? You ready? Begin. 
Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, and thy right hand upholdeth me. I want you to take, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna do this, that's okay. If not, that's okay as well. But on your, on your bulletin on the back where it has the additional notes section, would you write down these four words and write them down uh, vertical, not horizontal, but down like this vertical. Write the word experience. Experience. Secondly, the word emotion. Emotion. Experience, emotion. The third word, third word, belief. And the fourth word, behavior. Two E's, experience, emotion. Two B's, belief and behavior. I want to speak on, to you on this topic this morning. Love experienced. Love experienced. Now, David is, we, as we mentioned earlier, David is the writer of this psalm. And scholars uh, di- uh, are, are, are of different opinion on when this took place, when this psalm, this song of David uh, that he wrote and he expressed, when it took place in David's life. Some believe that it took place when Saul, the king at the time, was chasing David, was pursuing David uh, to kill David, even though he was uh, Saul's son-in-law, married to Saul's uh, daughter, uh, he was upset because after killing Goliath, uh, Saul and David, David comes back into Jerusalem and the, everybody's cheering, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands because David had killed Goliath and the jealousy and the rage against this David, this young boy, was begin to swell and to the point where he tried to kill him uh, two times with a javelin. And now he is pursuing him uh, to kill him, to destroy him. And some say that somewhere in 1 Samuel 22 and 1 Samuel 23, it says that he is in the wilderness, just as mentioned here in the beginning of the psalm. But another writer, Spurgeon, you may have heard of him, Charles Spurgeon, he believes that David was already king at this point. And that his son Absalom was actually chasing David, his father, to kill him. If you're not familiar, Absalom betrayed his father and came back to overthrow his father and take over the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that David and his family fled for their lives and Absalom is pursuing them. Either way, 
whatever, whatever side you want to come down on. Either way, David is on the run. He is not in Jerusalem. He is not in uh, where the king's palace is. He's not where the place of worship is. He is out maybe in a cave, maybe in the wilderness. Maybe he is just, uh, he's out by himself somewhere. And, uh, and he is alone. And, and that brings us, he begins to pour out his heart here in verse 1. Oh God, thou art my God. Immediately you can probably sense there's some loneliness here. There's some discouragement here. There's something going on in David's life that is causing him to feel that he's not his normal self or his normal place. And so David here says, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. David is not in a good place. I wonder this morning how many of us in our life at this moment as we go into the week of Thanksgiving, it's the holiday season. And listen, I don't know where you are, I don't know where you are when your Christmas tree is supposed to go up, when lights are supposed to go up, when Christmas music starts playing. I just know that they already got Christmas music on the radio. We, we enter this season where we talk about joy and we talk about family, we talk about getting together. And do you know this, that from really the middle of December to the end of January... They say that those that struggle with depression, that is the highest point of the season. They say that the majority of those who take their lives, take their lives between the middle of December and the end of January. See, I don't know where you may be in your life today. Maybe you're in a place where you're feeling lonely. Maybe you're in a place where you're feeling abandoned. Maybe you're in a, a circumstance right now that is a struggle beyond what you can comprehend or understand. And you are feeling, listen now, you're feeling unloved this morning. Maybe David here was under the stars or in a cave or maybe sitting by a tree. And I would imagine as David is on the run for his life, the only thing that David had with him were his thoughts. Now listen to me. His thoughts, his feelings, his past experiences, and his present circumstances. Do you know where we find ourselves many times in life? We find ourselves... Alone, only with our thoughts, our feelings, our past experiences, and our present struggles. I want to I give to you this morning that that's where most Christians live their lives. They live them in their head. They live it by what they feel. They live it by their past experiences. And they live the Christian life by their present circumstances. Now, I don't know about you. I've got a story, and I'm not going to go into my story, but I've got a story. And if I, if I lived my life, my Christian life, if I lived all of my Christian life based on what's in my head, how I feel, my past experiences, and my present circumstances, I'm in a bad place. And I would say you probably are too. 
This is where I believe David is at in his life right now. On the run, son pursuing him, maybe his boss, the king, pursuing him, trying to kill him, trying to wipe him out. And this is where we, this is where we find David. But notice, but notice what David says. Go, go to verse 3. He says, because thy loving kindness is better than life. That, that really should stick out to you. Here's what David is saying. Matter of fact, you need to know this, that this phrase, thy loving kindness, is the, the way it's used here is the only place in all the Bible it says it this way. Thy loving kindness is better. Now, what is David saying when he uses that phrase, thy loving kindness. Well, the word loving kindness is actually a, a, a little hard to translate into English. But the best way to look at that word is, is simply this. He is saying, God, because of verses 1 and 2, because I am thirsty for you, because I, I need you, because I want to see your power and glory, because of this, I am reminded. This is the point. I am reminded of your relentless zeal and pursuit of me. He's saying this, God, I remember that your love, your, your everlasting pursuing of me is better than anything in this life. You can even go far as to say is this, God, the way and, and the idea of loving kindness is, his, is, is all encompassed in His mercy and His zeal for me, His mercy for me, His pursuit of me. God, he's saying, God, I remember the way that you come after me is far better than anything in this life that I can run after and pursue after. He says, I remember, God, because I am so desiring of you, I remember how you came after me and how you uh, showed mercy to me and how you pursued me that nothing compares what I can go after in this life. Amen. David is adjusting. Think Now listen, David's adjusting what he believes. There's a belief adjustment. David just didn't know a fact. David is not describing a fact. Remember my story? Husband loved wife. That's a fact. But does she feel love? Was she experiencing the love of her husband at that moment? No. See, facts are only going to get you so far. Now, I know that doesn't sound very popular, but that's just the truth. I'm going to show you this later in Ephesians. I need more than just fact. I need to experience God's love. I need to know it. I need to, I need to, I need to walk in it. I need to live it out. I need to flesh it out. In my life and in your life. If, and I, and I, you know I, I do this. If I had to put my whole sermon in a sentence this morning, it would be this. When I value 
and rest in God's relentless passion and pursuit of me, I will express continual worship and thankfulness in my life. Listen to that again. When I value and rest in God's relentless passion and pursuit of me, I will express continual worship and thankfulness in my life. Now, I want to show you this, okay? I want to help you. I really do. And I want you to follow along with me. We're going to look at some places in the Bible and, and, and get a grip on this this morning, okay? So remember the first word. What was the first word I told you to write down? Experience. Experience, all right? Go to, I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke 15. When we look at a psalm, sometimes we have to go to other places in the Bible to understand what the writer of psalm is trying to describe to us because we need to see a picture. We, we humans run off pictures. That's why Jesus gave parables. It helps us to understand. We've got to have a mental picture of what he's talking about. In Luke 15, we, we know this story well because it's the Jesus is giving three illustrations, the lost sheet, the lost coin, and the... Anybody know the third one? We call him the prodigal son. Now, I want you to look at Luke 15, and I want you to go down and uh, verse 11. Jesus is speaking. How do we know Jesus is speaking? Because the words are in red. I just had to make you laugh. All right. Yes, all right. Wake you up a little bit. All right, Jesus is speaking. He said, a certain man had how many? Two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them, unto who? Them. So he gave both sons what? Their inheritance at the same time. So it's important that we note that. Both of them got their inheritance at the same time. Now, this is a whole other sermon sometime. But what the younger son was saying to his father was this, Dad, I wish you were already dead. Because I want my inheritance right now. That's what he was saying to Dad. So Dad, what did Dad do? Dad said, sure, son, I'll give it to both of you. So he divided it to them equally. And uh, look at verse 12. And the younger, uh, verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance with what kind of living? Riotous living. Now, go down if you would, and we're going to keep kind of skipping back and forth here, but I want you to go down and uh, to verse number 29. So the younger son took it and went out and lived riotlessly. Verse 29 now the older son is talking to his father. Uh, verse 20, let's go to verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years I do what? Serve thee. So where did the other son stay? He stayed home. One son left and experienced riotous living. The older son stayed and experienced Obeying his father. All right? Follow along, verse 29. These many years I do serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time, what? Thy commandment. And yet, 
Thou never gave me a kid or goat, a calf, that I may make merry with my friends. Now, both sons had two different experiences. One left and lived riotlessly. The Bible says he wasted everything he had. The Bible says he ended up in the hog pen. He said, I, 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 I'm in this hog pen and, and if... You know what? Dad probably, because of my choices, Dad, if I could just go back to Dad, my, dad, my dad's servants have it better than this. If I could just go back to Dad, maybe he'll take me like a servant. Here's what the son, younger son was saying. I don't expect Dad to love me anymore based on my experience, my choices. The, younger, the older son stayed home, did, kept all the rules. He, kept all, he kept, checked all the boxes. And at the end of it, he still said to dad, dad, what? You've never treated me like this. I don't feel loved either. But yet I checked all the boxes. There are some of you in here. Now listen, and, and don't misunderstand me. There are some of you in here who you have been saved. You have followed Jesus. You accepted Christ since you've been very young. And most of your life, you checked all the boxes. You tried to keep all the rules. You've done all the commandments. You, you've come every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You came to all the special programs. Some of you are teaching Sunday school now. You're doing all the right things. And yet, now watch this, and yet there are times in your life, and I know this to be true, that you have said to God, God, I've done all this. Why haven't I ever fill in the blank? I'm not feeling very loved by you. Others of you go, how could God ever love me based on all the things I've done in my life? All that riotous living, all that loose living, all the terrible things that my mind can never forget that I've done. How can God ever love me? You know what? Maybe I just need to come back and be a slave to God and try to earn God's love. See, some of you don't feel love because you're trying to earn God's love. You're trying to pay back to God for Him to love you. Others of you are going, you know what? Maybe if I just perform well, God will love me. Both sons, from their experiences, what's happening? They're not feeling very loved. That describes everyone in this room. We're either trying to earn it or we're trying to get it by our performance. And can I tell you this morning, neither one work. Neither one work. So experience. Go, what's the second word I told you to write down? Emotion. See, when we talk about experience... We determine love most of, our, most of our lives through the experiences that we have in life. Or, then from those experiences, we develop emotions. And we say things like this, love is a feeling. And by the way, I'm not trying to get unspiritual here, but some of you, as soon as I said that, a song popped into your mind. Remember all those love songs from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, you know? Talk about how you feel and love's a feeling and all this stuff. 
And most of us try to define love by an emotion that we have. By an emotion. Love is not a feeling. You know why? Because your feelings are like this. Up and down, up and down. Some of you came in this morning because it's jury outside, because there's no sunshine. I could tell it as soon as I walked in the room. It's like, oh, I wish I was back in bed. I promise you, some of you wives said to your husband this morning, babe, I don't feel like going to church today. Didn't you? Some of you husbands says, hon, I just want to stay here and wait till the game comes on. I'm not really feeling it today. I'm not really feeling that church thing today. Pastor will never know we're not here. Some of you got the text this morning, hey babe, we can stay home because pastor's not even going to be there. He's not feeling it today. And our feelings are up and down all over the place. And today I feel loved and tomorrow I don't feel loved. And it's up and down. It's like a roller coaster. And we today say, no, I don't feel loved. And tomorrow I'll wake up and the sun shines up and, and uh, my, my, my spouse made me coffee. Now I feel loved today. And then when I get home, there's no dinner made. Now I don't feel loved today. It's up and down. These two brothers, these two brothers were not feeling loved. Now here's what we do, and, and, and please don't miss this. We attach, now watch this, we attach the feeling of what we think the feeling of love is, whatever that looks like, and we attach it to our experiences. We connect them together. So when I have good experiences, I do, I do what? I feel love. When I have bad experiences, I don't feel love. And we bring the two together and we, now we, now watch this, now we live our Christian life by what we feel and experience. If I had a good day at church, God loves me. If I had a bad day at church, God doesn't love me. If we had a good day at church, God showed up and really loves us. If we didn't have a shout it out, everybody come to the altar Sunday, then God must not really love us today. We attach the two together. Now, I want you to hold your place there in Luke and turn to 1 John. John, also who wrote the Gospel of John, is known as the Apostle of Love. I want you to hear what John says, what, how John describes and really is the, the, the opposite of this experience and emotion description of love. Look, let's pick up in verse, uh, 1 John 4 and verse 8. First John 4 and verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For, here it is, God is what? God is love. Not your experience, not your emotion. God is love. What is the definition of love? God. God, this is what God is. This is, this is one of the few passages in all the Bible that specifically says that something God is. God is love. Church, you have got to be grounded in that first and foremost. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Say it again. God is love. God is 
love, period. That's what he is. Now watch this. When, when David says, You're, you pursue me, what is he saying? God, you are love, therefore your love is what? Pursuing me. His love is always coming after me. Always coming after me. Look at verse 9. And in this was manifested the love of God. In this, God being loved, here is how the word manifested, how God made known, how God revealed, how God showed. In this, what I'm about to tell you, John says, was shown, manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might have, that we might live through Him. God is love. Now, in this, I'm gonna, he, John's going, now listen, I'm going to tell you how we know God is love. He sent His only Son into the world to die for you that were unlovely. Do you know when you were born into this world, you were born unlovely? The Bible says it this way, you're a sinner. That everything that you did and said and thought was against God. It broke God's commandment. And we were, the Bible describes, we were enemies against God. And yet God says, I'm love and I want to pursue you. And here's how I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to send my son into the world so that you could have life through him. Look at verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we, what? Love God. Church, look up this way. Loving God does not start with you. If you look at God's love as starting with you, then your understanding of love will always come up short. Not that I loved God first. Look at what he says. Verse 10. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. What defines love? Not my experience and not my emotion. What defines love? God. How did God prove it? He sent Jesus. How does God show me He loves me? It's called the gospel. It's called the gospel where He takes His Son and puts Him on a cross where all of your sin were put onto Him. All of the punishment and judgment that we sang about earlier is laid onto Him. And in exchange, we call it the great exchange, in exchange for my sin going on Jesus, I receive forgiveness, and Jesus is eternal life. That's love. Now watch this. When I see what God showed and proved how He loved me, now what defines love? God defines love. God is love. God is pursuing me all the time. So now love is not determined by my experience or what I feel. 
God determines love and what He did for me and how He showed it to me. And every day when I wake up, His mercies are new every morning. His grace is new every day. And He passionately is pouring it out on me every day and every moment. That is the love of God for you and I. Now look at my last two words. I'm, uh, now Tyler said because we don't have church and I, I can go to 2 o'clock. That's what he said, and he's in charge today. Look at the, the last two words I gave you. Belief and behavior. Belief and behavior. Now, if you go back to Luke, you see something miraculous happen here. Luke 15 again, and look at verse 17 talking about the younger son. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants to my, of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. There came a point in this young man's life that he believed. Now watch this. He believed his father would take him. Now, how his father would take him, he wasn't really sure. I'm going to come back like a slave. And I'm going to grovel and I'm going to beg. And I'm just, I'm just going to ask father if I can just live in the servant's quarters, if I can just eat the servant's food. And, 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 and I'm, prob I'm almost confident that dad will take me back that way. So he made up his mind. And he started out going home. And he got to home and... And, and the Bible describes it this one, and I'm not sure if you really get all the, the input of the, product, the story of the prodigal son. But I, need to, I, I have to put it in 2019. Dad is sitting on the front porch. He's got a wraparound porch around the house, you know. He's in the rocking chair. And he's looking down the dirt road that leads to the farm. And he notices a silhouette coming. And as the silhouette gets closer, he recognizes, that's my boy. And the Bible says he runs. Now, mind you, in this culture, older men did not run. Now, I could run for you this morning, and I could probably make it to the doors a little winded. But I would have no problem running. Dad's going to have a problem running because dad's wearing a robe down to his feet. So dad's got to take the robe pull the robe, tuck it down into his belt, his loins, and expose his bare legs. Now, how many of you guys, 15-year-old, want to come up here and expose your bare legs? We get older, we don't expose our bare legs, do we? It was, it was uncultural for an old man to expose his legs. And yet he takes them, he tucks it in, and he takes off running, the Bible says. And when he gets to his son, he falls on him. He has compassion, mercy. Watch this. He 
Watch this. He pursues the son. Who's doing the running, the son or the dad? Dad's running, not son. Son's coming. Oh no, what is dad going to do? He's going to smack me. You stop. Where are you? No, no, no. He's pursuing. And when he gets there, he falls on his son. And notice what the son immediately starts to do. Oh, dad, dad, I'm sorry. I have sinned against you. I, I wasted all that you gave me. I, 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 I'm so worthless. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Oh, just make me a servant. I want you to see something. Because I want you to hear me. Some of you do this every day of your life. Some of you do this every Sunday when you come to church. You come to God like a slave and not like a son. And that is why in your Christian life you feel unloved. When he got to the dad and he starts pouring out all this stuff, tell me how many times, look real quick in your Bible, how many times does the dad bring up the boy's sin? Zero. Zero. He doesn't say, you low-down, worthless boy, I, I can't believe you would do that. Why in the world? I told you. See, this is what happened. Does he do that? Is that how he treat his son? No. He falls on him. My son is home. My son is home. And church, I know you messed up this week. I know you yelled at your kids. I know you talked sideways to your spouse. I know you raised your attitude at that co-worker. I would even say some of you probably let a cuss word slip out this week. Because that guy just irritated you so much, you just had to let him have it. Some of you were yelling at the TV at Fox News this week. You were so mad. And listen, we, we come to church on Sunday, and it really doesn't matter what the pastor preaches on. We come, and we come to the altar, and we grovel to God. Oh, God, I'm not worthy to be your son, and just make me a servant. Just, just that. And we were begging for the crumbs, and when Father says, no, 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 you're my son. I love you. I'm the one that pursued after you. I'm the one that ran after you. I'm just glad you're home. And the dad says, bring the fatted calf, bring the best clothes, bring the ring. My son is home. That's the love of God. See, I don't come, I don't have to come groveling anymore. I come because he is passionately pursuing me all the time. And I want you to know, listen, you are but frail and dust. And God says, I know you. I know you're going to blow it. I know it. Does that mean I'm supposed to blow it on purpose? No. But he knows it. And this young man came to somewhere in his life and says, you know what? I, turn to Romans 6. Just turn to Romans 6 real quick. And, and I want you to see this. Because I think we, 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 we live too much by feeling. Look at Romans 6.
Look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the word reckon here is not the same word we use today. Down south, we use the word reckon a lot, I reckon. Meaning, uh, maybe. Maybe. That's not this word here. The word reckon here is the same accounting word to consider it to be so. Consider it to be so. If the checkbook balance says $50,000, now that's not my checkbook, that's your checkbook. If it says $50,000, then I reckon it to be so. That means there is $50,000 there. Well, it's just on paper. How do I know? Because the register says there's $50,000. I reckon it. In other words, I now live life today as if there is $50,000 in the checking account. So I go to ShopRite. I go to Aldi's. I go to BJ's and Sam's and I start writing. Watch, I start living. Watch, I start behaving as if 50,000. I'm reckoning it to be so $50,000 there. So I write the check out to BJ's and I write the check out to ShopRite and I write the check out to, to Aldi's and I write the check out to Sam's. Why? Because I reckon it to be so. Listen to me. You need to live today not by your experiences of the past, not by what you feel. You reckon today God is passionately pursuing me because He loves me, He wants me, He desires me. So today, I'm going to live as it is so. Period. It is so. So I'm going to live today as if it's so. I reckon it to be so. And then lastly... Behavior, behavior doesn't determine love. Behavior doesn't determine love. Back in Luke, we mentioned this earlier, the, the older son said, look at all I've done for you. God, look at all I've done. You know, some of us really struggle with what we call, maybe you don't know this term, but some of us have incorporated prosperity gospel into our theology. We really believe, we, we, we believe, and I, Mel, Melody, who, who was it that used that term Christian karma? You remember who that was? We were somewhere, my wife and I, we were somewhere at a conference or something, and somebody said, you know what, most Christians believe in Christian karma. That means if I do this for God, God's going to give me a new car. If I give enough money to the church, then God's going to pay my house off. If I, if I, if, you know, if, if I serve Jesus here, then I'm going to get a new house. Tick for tack. Christian karma. My behavior does not determine God's love for me. And I want to tell you this morning, church, we have heard a lot of sermons that almost come across that way. That if you do A, B, C, and D, God's going to bless you. That is prosperity gospel. God said this, I rain down on the just and the unjust. Well, then why should I behave? Then why should I do right? Then why should I come to church? Then why should I live a holy life? If God's not going to do something for me, quid quo pro. (laughs) 
That's what we're doing to God. We're giving God a quid pro quo. Thank you, God. That was really good. We're saying, God, I, I will live for you if you will do this. God, I will serve you if you will do that. And we base, and watch this, and when God doesn't come through with whatever that was, oh, see, God doesn't love me. God, God doesn't keep His word. God doesn't really care. Now let's go all the way back to the beginning. I'm done. Where is David? In the wilderness. Is, David, is, is life going good for David right now? What if David based God's love on his experience and his emotion at that moment? How would David be feeling? Probably a lot like a lot of us. Based on my circumstances, God is, doesn't love me. Go, go back to Psalm and we're going to finish there. Because of thy loving kindness. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. Would you know three things as we conclude this morning? Number one, God is passionately revealing his love for you. Would you know that God is always revealing his love? David says, your loving kindness. What's that next little word verb there? Is. 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 Your loving kindness is. It is always pursuing. He is always trying to reveal His love for me. No matter what the circumstances, no matter the wilderness, no matter the trial, no matter the cancer, no matter the job, no matter the bills, no matter the child that's driving you nuts, it doesn't matter. He is always, always, always passionately revealing His love to you. Secondly, God is passionately revealing His love for you. Secondly, God is passionately pursuing you. His loving kindness is better than what? Life. Do you know what we pursue? We're pursuing life. We are consumed by life, aren't we? Some of you already right now, before you came to church, you sat down at your table somewhere in your house and you said, man, this is what I got to take care of today. I got to take care of life today. Man, I hope pastor isn't long at church today because re- we really need to get to Walmart before the turkeys are gone. <laughs> hey, honey, when we get home, we really need to go back to Aldi's and, and get this stuff before. But, I mean, Monday's going to be crazy. We, we're, we're, we're pursuing life. What is God pursuing? You. He's pursuing you. You know what God is saying? I know you need a turkey, but I I want you more. I know you got life to do. Here's what he said, and here's what Jesus said in Matthew. The Father knows what things ye have need of before you even ask him. He's not concerned about what you have need of because he's got everything you need. You know what he's concerned about? You. I am passionate about you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Why? Because he wants you. And all these things will be added. Do you see that church? He's passionately revealing his love for you. He's passionately pursuing you. And then watch this. God is passionate about you experiencing his all-fulfilling love. 
Now this, this is going to really mess some of us up here. Look at the end of these verses. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall what? Praise thee. God, because you are pursuing me in the wilderness, under the tree, in the cave, under the stars, sun's trying to kill me, Saul's trying to kill me, whatever it is, God, you are so passionately pursuing after me, I'm just going to praise you. Thank you. Look what he says in verse 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. This is where it gets uncomfortable. I looked up the word bless. Interesting word. The word bless means to get down on your knees. Now, most of us don't do this, do we? Because this is a bad picture in our mind. You know what this is a picture of? Subservience, submission. He says, Lord, I'm going to bless thee and I'm going to lift up my hands. And thank you. We get real uncomfortable with this right here, don't we? Well, pastor, if I do that, I'm charismatic. No, you're just... You're not charismatic. You know what you are? You're a lover of God. Here's what David said. David says, Lord, because you are passionately pursuing me, I'm just going to praise you. Thank you. Thank you I have the stars to look at, God. Thank you I have a tree to lean up against. Thank you for the cancer. I praise you for cancer, God. I praise you that I have a child. I know he's running, but I I praise you that I have a child. Lord, I, I praise you I have a job. It's not enough to pay the bills, but praise you I have a job. And as long as I live, Lord, I'm just going to bow down and I'm going to raise my hands and just thank you for you passionately pursuing and loving me despite my failure, despite how many times I let you down. And I know I always live up to like I'm supposed to and I know I'm not always making the right choices. But Lord, I thank you that you're always relentlessly pursuing me with your love. And I thank you and I bless you. And Lord, I don't deserve anything, but you still keep coming after me. Now I want to tell you, church, when you get to that, life won't seem as bad as it really is. Those problems won't seem as big as they really were. Why? Because now the passionate, pursuing love of God overwhelms everything else in your life. That's how David could make it through the wilderness. And come on the other side. And church, that's how you can make it through today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and through the cancer and through the wayward child and through the job issues and through the parent issues and through all of it. That's how you can make it through because the passionate, pursuing love of God is better than anything in this life you can go after. Would you bow your heads with me?